Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Kyle, the Wildlife Control Podcast. This is episode four. And on today's episode, I have a special guest. Uh, he is an employee, a manager, a salesperson, and I would certainly call him an expert in our industry, James Lay. Hello. What's going on? How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Thank you for uh, sitting down and talking to me. Um, I really just wanted to get perspective from you as a manager on a few things. Um, sales, number one, because you have a lot of experience doing that. And then, you know, number two, go over change. We've talked about in the past of what's required in order to grow and the amount of change that is going to happen to an organization in order to to get to a, a the next level, whatever that might be that you're you're getting at. So how did you get started doing sales and in wildlife control and pest control? Well, I um I've got a pretty extensive history as far as my pest control background. I started out working for a, a big corporation doing pest control and termite sales. And um, you know, I, I I took the job as something to do until I found my real job when I moved to Florida. I lived up in Atlanta, I wanted to get close to the beach and I I got out there and after my first month I did twenty seven thousand dollars, my second month did thirty seven thousand dollars, my fourth month I did over forty thousand dollars and everybody started asking, Well, who is this guy? And I was making more money than I was making as a field service engineer for a nationwide telecom company. Uh-huh. A company I worked for invented voicemail before right. I started doing this. So um and they came to me and they said, well, what are you doing that you're selling? They, they started questioning me. And I said, well, you told me to read these words and memorize them and tell the customer this information. And I did. That's all I did. Yeah. I basically followed protocol. And the protocol was very basic sales. Yeah. When they ask you um, how much, you tell them how much. When they say, I don't want to do it, you ask them why. You know, right. and of course, we can get deeper into that here in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it's just common negotiation skills. So how long, like, were were you a technician before you were doing sales? No, I went right into sales. That's awesome. Okay. And I, th- I think a lot of people in our industry, they're a tech first before they're doing sales. I probably agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was a technician and a salesperson like day one, never had the opportunity to do one or the other. That was right. just the way the industry was back then, um, at least for a, a wildlife company. But you have a pest background, and then you guys started getting into exclusion, and that's actually how I met you. Um, I'll, I'll never forget the day. It was a, it was a big <laughs> day. I, I I guess you know that's that's just a sales story in itself. I went to the pest control company you work for. In 2011, I dropped off. I dropped off a business card. I had to knock on the door. It said no solicitation. I knocked on the door anyways. I broke the law, and uh, a young lady opened the door. Said, "Can I help you?" And I asked to speak to the branch manager, and she did her job and told me he's unavailable or he wasn't there, which I'm sure he was there. Um, and I said, "Well, this is my business card. Can you please give this to him?" I gave gave her one card. It was a flimsy card that I printed off from a template I bought at home at uh not Home Depot, Office Depot, where I could print out my own business cards because that was the cheapest thing that I could do. And uh a year later heard back from them and then I had a meeting with you and then we started doing business together. 
Um, so I've, I've been able to see your sales hand in hand on, on both ends as dealing with you as a, as a customer and then now dealing with you within my organization as well. Um, so what made you, what do you think separated you from, from the other guys in, well, in, in hitting those, those, I mean, I look at $27,000 a month and I think, okay, in our company, that's not a big deal. But how many leads were you getting for $27,000 a month? I didn't get one lead that month. My first six months, I didn't get one lead. So um, what separates me? Well, if you give me the tools that I need to go and be successful, I'm going to use the tools to be successful. And that's exactly what I did. And the one piece of that information or that conversation from a minute ago that I didn't lead on to was that I was making a good living as an engineer. Yeah. When I started selling over $40,000 a month for that pest control company, I was making double what I was making as an engineer. So really what um, separated me was I I learned I was money motivated, quite frankly. Um, And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to grow a wildlife company, um, when the person interviews you or or you interview the person, it kind of goes both ways when you're interviewing somebody for sales, you want the person that that is going to eat dirt for commission. It's um, they're hard to find. Yeah. But when you do, they're 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 a diamond in the rough. Yeah. You got to have grit. Mhm. I mean, doing what we do, you really you got to love it. If you don't love it, you're you're not going to do it. You're not going to put up with it for very long. Agreed. I mean, you got to like be completely fine with the dead animals and crawling under houses and going on roofs and going in attics and coming home every day smelling like a possum. Um, not every day, but you know, a lot of days that's kind of what it takes sometimes as a sales rep doing what we do. You know, you, you think you hear the word salesperson and a lot of people have this image of somebody sitting behind a desk with an auto dialer, you know, hammering the phones. And we do that too here, but the majority of the people I imagine listening to this, they're out in the field doing the work they're they're probably wearing a lot of hats they don't have the ability yet to hire somebody maybe that that can just do sales um and you've had experience doing that too with us so but before we get into that i want to talk about the lead thing okay because i i have a a love-hate relationship with leads i know that they're important Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's very important for me not to ever put those as number one and, and just to have those as a supplement to everything else. It's sure. a supplemental source. It shouldn't be the only source of you getting business. So you told me you didn't get one lead for how many months? Six. For six months, not one lead. The, the thing I'll tell you about that, that it's, um, it's the best thing they ever did for me um, as a salesperson. I didn't know that I was a salesperson when I took that job. Like I said, I took it as something to do until I found my real job when I moved to Florida. Yeah. But quite frankly, um, them not giving me leads actually enabled me to become self-sufficient without them. And, totally. And that is something that is um, a rarity. People are very dependent upon, give me a lead. Yep. Or where's my leads? Um, what you really should be dependent upon is your own skill set. So the way that I was able to take, I took a customer list. 
I called the customer list and I just sold them all upgrades from everything that they had. That's how I made my money those first six months. And I would go and when I got to the house, they told me, they said, James, I'd like you to go and knock on the doors next door and three across the street. So I would set myself to our windows and I knew my inspection would take 45 minutes. I can close them in 15. And I had an hour to go talk to the other people. So it got to the point where I had enough people to go see every day that I only needed to set three solid appointments for myself. But by the end of the day, I'd seen 11 to 14. Yeah. And the people that didn't say yes today, they said yes maybe six months from now or a year later, like uh, your experience. Yeah. You know, when you knocked on that door. Yeah. Yeah, you just never know. Um, and most of those customers, they have pest control already with yeah. the company. Yeah. Uh, they have pest control, no termite control, so I would have to go out. They're comfortable paying, you know, $25 a month. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say, okay, it's going to be $1,800 a month. And I'd have to convince them, take this service. Yeah. So you have to sell that, the service. Yeah. You have to sell the warranty. You have to sell the company backing. You have to sell all the things that are going to mean something to somebody. Right. So... I think a lot of people, though, you know, this is wildlife control podcast. So a lot of a lot of the listeners do not have pest control customers that they mm-hmm. can go to, um, or termite customers. Right. Who should they go to? They should go to their existing customers. For one, have you sold them everything that you provide as a company? Um, at this company here, we do a lot of services. Most people sell the bare minimum as far as exclusion goes, but what about the insulation? What about the gutter guard? What about tree trimming? You should be their go-to. Even if you only do wildlife, that you should be the go-to wildlife guy. Everybody that you know should know what you do and that you're passionate about it. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think for me, whenever I'm out in the field and if I'm, if my job is to okay, I got to bring in sales this week or this day and I don't have any appointments and I, I don't have a lead yet. There's a lot of things that I can do, but let's say I, I don't have anybody to follow up with. Um, I, I do have a customer base though, but I don't have any recent proposals or, or don't have any access to proposals for whatever reason. If you were to make that call, and I know what I would do, I want to hear what you would do. If you were to make that call to a current customer, let's say they they just bought outdoor trapping. So there okay. was a skunk, groundhog, raccoon, possum, armadillo, whatever, out in the yard. We did trapping there three months ago. What would that call sound like? What would you tell the customer? For me, it, w- it would sound very simply, uh, it's time for your uh, quarterly inspection if it's three months. If it's six months, it's time for your six-month inspection. Uh, I'm going to be in your area tomorrow between 2 and 4. Are you available? You're not. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to come out anyway and take a look at the property. If I remember correctly, there's a gate, but the left side's going to be open. If you just leave it open for me, and then I'll call you back and we'll talk and see, let you know if we found anything. Yeah. So you go out to that customer's house, and you know, let's say you did find openings on the house. Um, what do you tell the customer then? Are you going to try to sell the exclusion? Or you can try to schedule an appointment to go back to look in the attic. I'm going to set an appointment. Um, the conversation, the secondary conversation is I, I finished your inspection. Um, I did note some things around the outside of the house that I definitely need to discuss with you. Um, but first, before I do that, I got to look inside your attic to make sure that you don't have something bigger going on. 
Yeah. So when are you available? Yep. And then get that appointment. Get in front of the person. If you get in front of somebody and they have an issue, there's no reason in the world except for the fact that they can't afford it that they don't buy from you. Yeah, I think that little segment right there is super important. If you're out at a customer's house for something else that's not anything to do with the structure of the house, it's an outdoor problem, and you see entry points, you should make sure you go up in the attic to check the attic out or the crawl space because there could be a problem that the customer doesn't even know about. Right. You know, they might not. Customers don't always hear scratching. And if it's in the crawl space, they never hear scratching. I mean, sometimes they do. But most of the time, I don't think they ever even notice the problem until it ends up in the living space of the house if it's in the crawl space. Some people actually deny the fact that they heard it too. Yeah. They don't want to believe they have something. One of my favorite things to tell a customer is sometimes things just happen. Sure. Well, I've never had this problem before. Well, you know, sometimes things just happen. Yeah. Let me show you what we can do to solve it. Yeah, you you just never know. Um, So I kind of just want to run through the sales process with you. So after you, okay, you go out there, you do your quality control inspection, whatever. You check things out, your quarterly or your annual or your your biannual, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You do your inspection. You find, okay, there is entry points. Then you're going to call the customer, schedule an appointment when they're actually home mm-hmm. to check the attic out for right. evidence. You go up in the attic. You don't find any evidence. What now? Well, that's when you switch gears. Um, I'm still there, and I'm still – my time is worth money. Time is important to us. Sure. Uh, we we, it's one thing we can't get back. So since I'm there – I'm going to sell them preventative maintenance on their home. And um, you know, some people are going to be really on board with it. They're going to be very thankful the fact that my follow-up skills are strong enough to set two appointments, one to go by myself, one to go back. Um, that's not taken lightly by a customer. They don't think that we're just out here driving around in circles. They know that we're busy. And you know certainly we can stay busier by doing those things. So I'm going to come down out of the attic and I'm going to say good news. There's, there's no activity that I can find, but these are the things that we need to do and I'm gonna slide them an invoice and it's going to have the openings and everything else. And they may ask me, James, why do I have to do these things? And my response is going to be, so that this does not become a bigger issue and cost you tons of money down the road. Yep, totally. Um, so we, we talked about before on here of just all the different services that you can offer a customer you know, when, when you're out there, they don't have an animal problem and they do need exclusion work. Obviously, you could still propose on the exclusion work. Of course. Um, that's a great opportunity, too, to check out the attic. Do, do they have insulation? And one of the things that you say about insulation is what? Um, do they have enough? Do they have enough? And do they have our insulation? Do they have our insulation? Yeah, which I really like. Yeah, the customer has insulation, but do they have our insulation? Um, because we have the ability... Um, not everybody that, that listens to this probably has the ability, but we do have the ability to blow in pest control insulation tap. So if, if you don't have your pest control license, you can't do that, but that's a great product. Um, and if, if you can't use that, there's other great products out there that you can get access to. But old insulation should be replaced or blown on top of one or the other. And no matter where you are in the country, whether you're way up north or in the deep south, hot houses need insulation, 
cold houses need insulation. Um, they all need insulation. They all need to ride them out. So when you go up there, um, if it looks low, it looks short, take a picture, bring it down to the customer's house. I mean, how many times have you sold jobs doing that? Well, I mean, taking a picture is something. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. So when I first started taking pictures, it wasn't with an iPhone. Right. It was with a real camera that I plugged, that I like showed them a digital picture on the backside. Um, so very different. Um, but you know, you sell a lot more. The picture tells a thousand words, whatever that expression is. Yeah. Um, it, that's a very true statement. When people see that it's theirs, uh, if you can get somebody into the attic to see a mess, that that that's even better. You know, first thing you should do is always ask them if they're able to come with you. Yeah. You know, because then, then they see firsthand that this is real. This is right here. It's in my house. Yep. You know, the people will say, well, that's just in the attic. Well, my response to that is your attic is its own ecosystem. And where do you think all the air that you're breathing comes from? It's the duct work up in the attic space. Sure. Yeah. You know, the if you relate this to the health of the home, the health of the family, to all of those things, they all make sense. If you're going to sell insulation, you better know everything about insulation there is to know. Yeah, that's my other piece of advice. You asked, um, you know, how did I get to be good at what I did? Um, I read. There's so much information on and in today's society. We have the internet. You can Google anything. Mm-hmm. Go go find out what an R value means and and research it. Yeah. And then when you sit there in front of a customer and you explain to them, in layman's terms, you don't want to overcomplicate it, and make them understand the way that you do. They're they're pretty excited about that, especially yeah. if they're engaged in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, is this something that they need, uh, or is this something that they can use and it could benefit their life uh, or their property? And if the answer is yes, then you should you should definitely let them know about it and see if you can you can earn their business. Um, and just just by this this all just came from a quality inspection. Yes. <laughs> so there's no shortage of opportunity, I think for anyone who has a customer base if things got slow for you if if you had a slow day uh uh, you know today or it's we're in june now so we're getting showers every afternoon here in florida and most of the south and they're kind of sporadic throughout the day so i feel like sometimes customers don't call if it's really rainy conditions they'll just say oh well it's rainy i don't want them to come out today we'll call tomorrow um those are the days where you can utilize that customer base and get in front of your current customers to do quality inspections, identify, I call it low-hanging fruit, Any anything that we could provide to the customer that we haven't tried to provide, we should try to do that and get them on board. Um, you're not going to sell every single one of them, but you're certainly not going to sell any of them if you don't try. If you don't try. Right. What is is it Wayne Gretzky? You miss all the shots you don't take. That's correct. You miss every shot you don't take. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a numbers game. So you touched on something a minute ago, your customer base, and then you hinted on what if you don't have a customer base. Yeah. So I, I think we should talk about that a little bit. I think that's going to... I would be happy to talk about that because that's how you grow your business. Exactly. So um, when you start out in any business, if you're a business owner... If you're a salesperson, first thing you should do is go figure out who do I need to talk to. Yeah. Once you figure out who to go talk to, go talk to them. 
you know, Kyle came to the office where I worked and he tried to talk to us even knowing we did exclusion work on our own. But he was hoping for the door to open. But he had to knock on the door to get through it. So go to your pest control companies. If you know they're a competitor, go to them anyway. Sure. Because competitors become business partners. Yeah, I've got a meeting with one tomorrow. Exactly. That does the exact same stuff that we do, but relationships are everything. We, mm-hmm. can, we can all help each other. The other thing, uh, property management companies. You know, go, go and visit them and say these words. How do I get on your preferred vendors list? And normally the person behind the desk will hand you a packet. It's not hard to get on the list. Unless they tell you, oh, we only take these kind of vendors. Well, how do I become one of those kind of vendors? Yeah. But you, you have to put the car in drive and go. Yeah. Um, I remember it would have been 2015 or 2014. Either, either 2014 or 2015. I can't remember. Um, I hired an assistant to help answer the phones. Because I, I sat down and realized, well, what I did was I sat down and I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready to grow this company. i got to figure out how am I using my time. So I literally would start setting timers on every little task that I did, um, whether it was a real timer or me just watching the clock. It identified how much time I was spending doing certain things. Like I was, let's just say I was answering the calls, calls for four hours a day of, of current and existing customers or new customers calling into the business. And I was spending, you know, three hours a day on, on sales. I was spending um, two hours a day on data entry. So I took that time and said, okay, I need to hire an assistant. Well, when I hired an assistant and she's full time, now she has a bunch of free time. So like, what do I do with that? Because I'm busy now. Now I'm like out there, you know, prospecting and I'm out in the field closing deals. So I sat down with her and this just kind of goes to show you, and, and she was very skilled, um, but she didn't have any sales experience. So this kind of goes to show you how easy this task is. I gave her a list of property management companies, and I'm not kidding. This list was probably like 500 companies. She called each one. I know she did because she made a note on each one in ink, and if you're going to do that, then you're certainly going to put the effort towards and we got a lot of business from them but she called each one and this is what she would tell them and this is what I tell all of our guys now so this is the big secret hi I'm with uh, First Coast Wildlife Services we provide wildlife control and pest control I just wanted to see how we could get onto your vendor list and that was it and they would either say oh we're not interested or sure this is how you do it it was very quick to get to a yes or a no and what ended up happening is we, we got with, out of those 500 calls, we ended up getting with like, it was like five or 10 companies. But at the end of the year, I added it up and it added up to like 60 grand in revenue from those 500 calls that she made. It's worth it. So, I mean, she probably made those over the course of like a week. So if anybody's out there and is like, man, slow right now, or I, I wish I had more business coming in and you're not sitting down and making those calls, you're, you're missing out. Even if you know they're doing business with someone else, it does not matter. These property management companies, they turn and burn. The, who's available and who loves me today? And I feel like that's who they do business with. Yeah. If you can put the time and energy into building a relationship with 
a property manager, just one individual person who manages multiple properties, um, they're going to do the business, do business with people who are right there in their face that do a good job. Um, what I used to do actually when I was starting out is I would stop by the property management office on purpose whenever I had an invoice. I could easily just email the invoice to their office, but I never did that. I always went in person. I had the time to do it and I did it so that they would see my face and I was this young guy and I could shake their hand and walk around the office and ask how everybody's doing. And everybody wants to hear about your wildlife stories. Of course. <laughs> so you can make up the story of when the gorillas got loose from the zoo and you had to, you know, dart them and bring them back. Um, and everybody's all excited and they laugh and you go about your day. But then they talk about that after you leave. Oh, that guy, that guy Kyle is such a goofball. But he's always so nice and polite. He comes in here and... Uh, he's always very helpful with any questions that we have. And then you end up getting involved in HOA meetings. When you get in with a property manager and they like you, you then get into this next tier of you go from wildlife control specialist to wildlife consultant and you become the spokesperson for the property management company to all of their HOAs. And I know that because I just experienced this today which I've done this many times, but today I have a meeting with an HOA next Thursday evening um, to go speak to a big group of people. There's 1,100 people in the, or 1,100 homes in the community. I don't know how many people are going to be at the meeting, but I imagine it's going to be like 50 or 100 people. So my point is this, that those 500 calls seems pretty painful, but you can get a lot of revenue out of, just 500 calls. 60 grand out of 500 calls? $500 or 500 calls seems painful, but $60,000 worth of revenue does not. No. Yeah. So, and, and that can be done anywhere. You know, you, you, you're driving to an appointment, you're like, man, I'm so busy though. I do want to grow my business, but I'm so busy. I don't have time to do those calls. Do you really not have time to do the calls? I mean, you could do them while you're driving. I don't want anybody to be unsafe, but if you got Bluetooth in your car, you can tell your Bluetooth, hey, Call this number, call this number, and you can hammer through all those things. Um, with technology these days, there's there's really, there's no excuse. I make all of my calls to, typically on a daily basis on my lunch break. I know that doesn't seem, some people are going to say, oh, this guy's just a workaholic. No, it's when I have free time to go ahead and actually spend time. So I'm sitting down at my counter. I go home because I live close to the office. I can sit down and I can literally return all the phone calls in an hour's time. Yep. And then when I come back to the office, I'm refreshed because guess what? My plate is clean. Yeah. So it opens me up for more opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Um, you've got to utilize your time. So I think it's it's really just sitting down and figuring out where where are we seeing revenue in our company and where can we improve our revenue as far as where it's coming from. You know, do we have a lot of property managers? Do we have real estate companies? Do we have pest control companies sending us referrals? Um, how about AC, HVAC companies, um, garage door companies? They get rodents that chew through the, the bottom of the garage door. They'll they'll handle the weather stripping, but they're not going to handle the trapping. Right. They're not going to handle the rodent control stations that are set outside. So... You just got to get in with anybody and everybody that's going to run into situations, plumbers, 
cable guys. Some home builders. Yeah, home builders, electricians. Um, you know, I'm going, we're actually sponsoring a real estate event next week. And it's for the this, the main atten- intention here, obviously, is for us to get attention. And then number two, I want to do WDO inspections and, and get the wildlife control work from all these realtors. There's going to be like 100 realtors here. And we're the pest control company sponsoring it. So super important for you just to get attention and get in front of as many people as possible. And I know you have some experience with doing... Um, not like a networking event but a uh one of those groups what is it called yeah i belong to bni yeah i was a member of the chamber of commerce the bni is business networking international it's um it's a pretty strict organization but it's it's good in the in the sense that they don't just pass each other contact information it's actually um, set up to where they actually pass true referrals so when you go and meet the person that's referring you business uh, the the person that you're going to meet, they already know you're coming and what it is that you're selling, and they're interested. Yeah. Because it's a group of up to maybe thirty people, and it's um, there's there'll be attorneys, there'll be realtors, there'll be contractors, lawn people. There'll be all different uh, organizations, uh, sales, and they all do sales. So the goal is is uh, I'm in there as a pest control guy or a wildlife guy. And then the realtor is in there and she needs a WDO done. Well, I'll go do the WDO for her. In turn, um, you know, I need to bring her somebody that's selling a house. Yep. So it's one of those, it's, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Sure. The, it costs money, but I was in it for the first year I did 12 full months and I sold 11 termite jobs not including regular termite inspections for WDOs and the average termite job was about $1,500 right well worth it uh, when you look at the the side of what commission looks like versus it costs $300 a year to join the organization sure chamber of commerce free to join um, you'll do you will spend some money when you go and you do like the charity events and stuff like that but if you're in the community and people know who you are that that makes a big difference yeah, so just curious, why don't you do it now? Why don't I do it now? Yeah. I would say it's more of a time thing. <laughs> uh, because you have to be there every week at the exact oh, really? same time. Yeah. And if you miss um, three ever, they kick you out of the group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Mm-hmm. But for a sales rep here, mm-hmm. uh, one of the sales reps that we have here, I, they could block a week of their time, uh, uh, an hour, week. Yeah. Uh, an hour each week hour each week thank you um, and they could certainly go do it and we could I, I would help sponsor that situation for sure okay um, I mean there's there's probably groups like that all over the country mm-hmm. there's more than just BNI for sure um, when I looked into it I think there's here in Jacksonville which is where we are I think that I, I mean I counted seven groups and most of them cost money there was a couple that were startups where they're trying to get something going and they didn't want to charge money they just want to pass mm-hmm. business back and forth but what i found is since they weren't paying for it they uh they weren't as they were they were two lakhs of days ago on their attendance yeah so you'd show up and you'd be the only one there right right well that sucks so i used to go to a ton of networking events um mainly because my wife she worked in a 
finance, she still does in the financial industry. And they would throw all these different networking events just to get different groups of people together to network and, you know, do business together, all B2B type stuff. And for a wildlife control organization, that's really big when you're able to to talk with people and get face to face because typically there's alcohol involved and people start getting loose and they want to hear about wildlife control and, and all the weird things. I mean... I don't know about you, James, but it's like, it seems like every family event, my family is asking me or really any, anything I go, I was at a two-year-old birthday party last Sunday and everybody, the whole party, there's like 30 people there. They're all like, Hey, every person I saw was like, Hey, what's, what's going on? You know, with wildlife control, anything crazy going on? And I don't ever have anything crazy to tell them, but people are always so interested in that. So anytime you can get in a social setting, uh, it's very easy to start those conversations and people are usually immediately impressed and it's a, you give them your business card and you know maybe you ask them to go have a beer or drink with you another time um, so you can kind of get more involved in their business and how you can help them, which is the right way to network, I've learned, rather than me, me, me. No, 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 it's all about you, you, you. Right. And, and that's how you start getting business. I, I do some networking I do some uh, community service, and I always find that I'm the hit of the party because after you've had a couple of drinks, just like you said, everybody wants to know. I tell my alligator story. Yeah. You sent me to go get a dead alligator that got yeah. electrocuted under an electric fence. So, and everybody's like, ew, gross. But ew, gross is actually a good response. People are really engaged with ew, gross. Yeah. Um, and they'll remember that. They do remember that. And, you know, my, my, uh, my wife is an attorney, so she does a lot of networking as well. So I go to some of those events specifically, and it's just a matter of a few minutes before somebody asks you, what do you do for a living? Because you're obviously not an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> and you just tell them what you do, and it's very exciting. Yeah. Um, th- th- that's, that's probably what I've learned all these years is that this job is exciting. For it's sure. kind of a lifestyle. Oh, definitely a lifestyle. Um, Steve Demore, who I had on the show yeah. a couple weeks ago, that's that's what he was saying is, you know, I never really looked at it that way. But if you're going to get into our industry, especially if you're going to be running or managing a business, it's nonstop. So you really have to commit your life to it. And if you don't like it, then your life's going to suck. But <laughs> you've got to commit your life to it. Um, it requires a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um I mean, it's exhausting at times, but it's well worth it in the end. And it's, it is fun. It is fun to go out there and, you know, you still get to go out in the field and I get to go out in the field a little bit too. And it's, it's always nice to get out there and, and learn something new and help somebody out. Um, and you know, obviously drive revenue into the company. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about is the amount of change that comes into play. So you got in with us in 2016, late yes. 2016. Yes. So late 2016, we had this master plan, world domination, for us to you know become the number one company in the world for wildlife control. Um, and we serviced 5 billion customers the following year. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but you, you went around and you opened up branches for us. Um, you opened up 10 branches in 10 months right. in 2017. So when you started with us, though, let's see, there would have been, God, 
third event. I'm trying to count in my head how many employees we had at that point in time. It was me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's probably like 11 of us. Right. Probably. Right. So we tripled our number of employees right. in 10 months. And it all went so fast for me. It's kind of hard to look back to see like all the change that took place. But from somebody else's perspective, what was that like? Well, it was definitely a, a faster pace for me because I, I, I came from a job where I just traveled throughout the city I lived in every day. And then I went and I started traveling every week outside of the city that I live in. So um, it, it was fast paced because um, we knew what our plan was. Our plan was to open up that many locations in that 10 months, the 10, 10 locations, 10 months. So while I was training somebody in the field on how to do sales, how to do trapping, how to do the exclusion work, how to do all the above, I was actually um, going back to the hotel or going looking through my uh, list that I created of the prospective employees for the next location the next day. It was, um, there were a lot of hours, there was a lot of travel, but my goal was to make that person successful and looking for the next successful person to come. Yeah. So, um, as far as change, for me, it was a big change coming from where I came from. And then um, as we grew, lots of change needed to happen, too, because everybody was so spread out. Yep. So having everybody, I mean, we had people in New Jersey, people in Chicago, people in Tennessee, and we had to communicate with them. So we had to do certain things to bring everybody together. That's when we came up with the conference call in the morning. Yeah. Every morning we have a conference call and we get on the conference call and we would talk about what the topic was of the day, whether it be housekeeping or sales or what have you. And we still to this day do that every daily conference call, which I think is pivotal. If you can't look your employees in the face on a daily basis and you just have to trust that they're doing their job, I mean, you want to hire people that are trustworthy, obviously, but um, certainly you want to have that regular communication, but everybody as a group and a team really makes a huge difference. Yeah. As far as just managing this person here, that person there, you want to bring them all together. And what we found out after the fact is that they would get each other's phone numbers and then call each other throughout the day and help each other out. Mm-hmm. And it really instilled a team-like environment. Yep. Love that. Um, that, was really, that was really cool to see that too. Um, whenever they start figuring out, hey, you know, I can help this guy even though he's 6,000 miles away in this other state. Um, certainly beneficial so I mean we went from a few employees to a lot of employees and you were managing most of them um, so what uh, what would you tell somebody who's who's ready to grow and they're they're gonna they're gonna start hiring more people and they're, they have this master plan like we did to grow really fast over a short period of time. What kind of person do you think they should be hiring knowing that there's going to be a ton of change um, along, this, along this road that they're about to jump on? And that their position today, it is in this little, you know, it's in this position agreement. You're going to be doing these things. But the way that we do things is certainly going to change very quickly, I think. Well, I think you say best, Kyle, when you say some people just can't adapt to change. And when you try to better people, they 
they find their way somewhere else because they just can't handle the change. So in the in the vetting process, when you're trying to find your employees, you have to explain to them, okay, you're going to work sun up to sun down. You're going to get a lot of phone calls. And then I'm going to call you one day and say, okay, we don't service that area. We service this area now. And you're going to have to be okay with it. And, you know, I'm not, it, it's, some people can't handle the change, but you can't expect positive things to happen in growth without the change. Yeah. Um, I, I, um, golly, I mean, how many times has my day changed since I started my day? By the time I got to my desk, I had 14 people I had to call and I got here seven o'clock. So, and I mean, that's just from last night's overnight calls. So you have to manage your time really well. So the people you look for, somebody you can manage their time. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's okay with change. What, what I look for always was I tried to find people that were fair and consistent, which is what I aspire to be at all times. Yeah. I like people with uh, an even keel. Um, you know, really high energy people are great. Um, they also have a short fuse. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you have to be careful with that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if that, does that answer your question? No, it does for sure. I think people just have to realize that the amount of change that takes place from going from, say, somebody who's doing $200,000 a year and it's just them and they're like, okay, I'm ready to start reinvesting in my business. I'm making, you know, 75, 100 grand a year off that 200. I'm going to take that 75. And I'm going to pay myself 30 and the rest of it I'm reinvesting into the company. I'm going to start hiring people with that money and, and uh, buy, buying leads or whatever. And they start growing. That first person that they hire is going to have to wear multiple hats. Okay. They're, they're not going to just wear their one technician hat or their sales hat or whatever. Um, and then I would say up to, up to probably six employees or five employees, they're all going to be wearing multiple hats mm-hmm. um, as far as like doing different positions. I think you should be very careful about selecting people that can only do one job in the, in the very beginning. Meaning That's if you point. hire somebody who does sales, are, do they have the ability to do exclusion work? Are they afraid of heights? You know, are they able to go in an attic and in a crawl space, which they should be if they're a salesperson, but do they have the ability to do trapping? You know, are they okay with putting down an animal if we have to? Uh, are they okay with removing a dead animal? Because you just hire them for sales and there's other people that are supposed to be doing that and one of them goes down. It's extremely helpful to have somebody else on your, on your team that will be a team player and say, hey, I know I'm a salesperson, but I can still go over here and, and do this and help you. Otherwise as the owner or manager of that company, you're going to be constantly getting pulled out of managing and into the field of doing a lot of the work. And it's taking away from whatever it is you're working on, whether it's hiring people or uh, training somebody um, or a big deal you're trying to close or whatever. When I would go to those locations and I'd open them up, I'd hire the people, I'd do all of everything that we're talking about. Um, and I'd stay there for 10 days yep. and train them. And by the end of 10 days, you knew whether or not they were in it yep. or they were out. And, um, and we had situations where 
I was being dropped off at the airport. The person said, I'm just you know, I'm giving you my two weeks notice after I just spent 10 days. And when Kyle called him to ask him why, he goes, because I can't do what James does. And it's because you have to wear so many hats, yeah. take the phone calls and make the sales and grow the business because you're basically hiring these people out there on little islands to go and grow the business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really tough to wear all those hats. I mean, even even if you are like right now, if you're a salesperson in our company, yeah, you're a salesperson, but occasionally there's going to be a situation where a technician can't go out to remove a snake. And you've got to you got to give those those people that you hire a, a level of expectation of you are a salesperson. However, if we do have an emergency call, and, and you're the closest to it, we would expect you to still go out and handle that. So I think that's super important. Um, going back to back to change and, and what's going to happen as you begin to grow, if, if you were to give a, uh, a, a salesperson advice on what is required for them to scale their sales, I know that when you started off, you were a, you immediately a a uh, a king of sales in the company you're working for. But did you ever have to make any changes along the way? Like yes. maybe it was um, like a new policy that they had or whatever. Absolutely, that happened more times than not. Um, they would they would just we we come to work one day and say we no longer sell this, we now sell this, and it was the whole entire product that that you were selling before. So, um, there's that book, who moved my cheese. Yeah. So you got to go find your cheese. Yes. Um, I, I, in my tenure, I've had to go find cheese many, 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 many times. Um, it, it's something that you should expect because, you know, our organization based on what we do and based on wildlife control and all the other services we provide, we're governed. And if the government even comes and says, you can do it now this way, you have to switch gears. Oh, yeah. You have to do it their way. Because if, if you don't follow, then they take you to jail. <laughs> so, right. so you want to make sure that you're, you're adaptable. Sure. I think adaptable is the word that we're looking for to describe the person you want to hire. Yeah, adaptable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that's, that's a great way to, to say it. Adaptable. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just there's too many factors I think with wildlife control, I've been in this industry for so long, I don't really know of anything else. But I know when I did work in other companies or uh, agencies, because I worked for the state really longer than I did anywhere else before I started this, and my job was very simple. I was a park ranger, and that they were like, here is what you need to do every day. And that's pretty much it. There wasn't like a whole lot of unexpected things that were going to happen. Maybe there was a fire, which no problem. You call it in. They, they come out there, you suit up, you put your fire gear on and you help them. Um, maybe, you know, there's some profanity. There's nudity on the beach or something like that. But it wasn't like it is with us, whereas it can be just complete organized chaos. Like phones ringing off the hook. You got current customers calling one after the next asking for updates. You've got a technician that's doing an exclusion job and um, they're not sure of which entry point you're, they're supposed to be sealing off 
or they're doing insulation and they can't calculate how many square feet of insulation they need to get for the job or whatever it is. The machine breaks while they're on the job. Yeah, machine breaks while they're on the job. Just just a second ago, uh, employee forgot to grab their gas card. Um, and they're, they're sitting at the gas pump on E two hours away from the office. So these things happen as you grow. And you got to be prepared yourself, not just your employees. You got to be prepared to deal with these changes because right now when it's just you and a couple of guys it's pretty easy i mean i remember when it was just two or three three guys working for me and i mean i I definitely worked until seven or eight almost every night and that might not have always been in the field but most of the time it was definitely on the phone until eight o'clock because i was taking all the calls later in the evening and we needed the business but it wasn't like it is now where there's just chunks of, of things that have to be done today, has to get done today, and it doesn't matter what time it is, I got to get it done. Um, so I think that people just need to be prepared more than anything of what's going to change in their life and that their significant other is willing to deal with that too and that they're on the same page, you know, which is a whole other, whole other podcast. So everybody needs to be adaptable. Yeah. The employee, the manager, the owner, the spouse, yep. the significant other. The kids. Kids. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I think that we'll end it on that on a good note. Um, appreciate you spending your time and uh, doing this with us. I'm sure we'll, we'll do it again. Sounds good. And uh, appreciate all the sales you've made for our business over the years, both while you worked with us and when you didn't work with us. So appreciate that. And uh, guys... Happy trapping. Hope you many successes in the future.